He's a serious musician and composer, a celebrated writer, and a respected art collector. But he's best known for his sense of humor, the legendary Cheech Marin. I'm Maria Hinojosa. This is One on One. Cheech Marin, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've known about you since I was a little, little girl. Little, little, two years ago. Two years ago, exacto. <laughs> Do you feel, though, like your whole life has kind of been this, like, crossover, you know, kind of like from the Chicano, Latino to becoming a mainstream actor, from, you know, a doper to becoming somebody serious, from um, a comic to becoming mm -hmm. an actor? Do you feel like that? Your whole life has been kind of... You know, I, I've always felt that I've always been mainstream. I'll, always. I, I, we used to have a saying that when we were in the heyday of Chichen Chong that we were middle-of-the-road dopers. And <laughs> that was the norm. And everybody used to laugh. But it, it proved to be true. I mean, because our generation, the baby boom generation, was the, was the mainstream. So whatever things that we were going through, the mainstream was going to go through. Interesting, because I think that people kind of see you as this kind of counterculture yeah. representation. Well, we are, but the counterculture was the main culture. It, was, it, was, it depends on who's Oxford Goring here. Uh, we always felt that we were the, were the mainstream culture, and we said we're going to, we're, and we were middle of that. And so we always felt normal because kind of counterculture dissent is part of american culture absolutely yeah and it became the culture now there's being dissent against the counterculture you know as, as the generations uh, come up but uh, what is always what's been amazing to me is uh, we're recently on tour now our first time in th over 30 years congratulations thank you very much <clears throat> it's, a, it's a it's wonderful to be to do it. <laughs> yeah. is, is, is that 80% uh, of the audience that comes to see us now is between 30 and 40. Right. That means that they, most of the people weren't alive the last time we were on stage. And so to have them come, that means that we're, we're right dead center of the culture, you know, that, that that's pop culture. That's the definition of pop culture right now. When I was preparing for this interview, one of the things that I found fascinating was that you actually, the way you and, and, and Tommy Chong started was not in the United States. It was in Canada. In Canada. And yeah. you were actually, you were leaving this country. You were a, a draft, draft dodger. dodger. Yeah. Uh, I became a draft dodger. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was inevitable. I, <clears throat> I was in college uh, my senior year at Cal State Northridge, and I, I became a member of the draft resistance movement uh, headed by David Harris. And uh, the idea was to, to, to become the universal soldier and turn into a draft card and not participate in the system by, as a means of protest. Uh, we didn't recognize their authority over us. And uh, so I did that. So you uh, were politically radical. Uh, right away. Before you were even comedically radical. Oh, yeah. Comically radical. I mean, that, I think that part informed my comedy more than, than vice versa. Uh, so I, I had turned in my draft card in National Draft Turn-In Day, and I was also I, I was a very transformative that 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 semester, and I, I discovered my inner artist. I was I, I always knew I was an artist, but I didn't know what medium. I couldn't paint, I couldn't draw, I didn't, but I knew it had some kind of artistic leaning in me, and uh, I, I took a pottery class. Pottery. Pottery. 
and my Mexican jeans came out, <laughs> and there I was making pie, and, I, and it completely uh, changed my life, and I quit all my other classes, and I just made pottery all day, all night. And, and your dad, who was with the LAPD, uh -huh. which I think, again, a lot of people are going to be, <laughs> Cheech Marin's dad was with the LAPD. Yeah. What were they thinking about, you know, this Chicano son who's in college, drops yeah. out to become a pottery maker, then moves to Canada? Yeah. My dad, he, he, was, a, he was a veteran of the World War II. He was in the Navy, and he was a policeman. All, all my uncles were policemen. The whole family, was a, we were a police family. I am sure people are going to yeah. hear that, and their jobs are going to Well, my, my Uncle Rudy was the, the highest-ranking Chicano in the LAPD. He was Captain Hollenbeck, and he became on the, he was on the parole board. He was the assistant to the, uh, the, city, uh, the city attorney. Uh, and, but anyways, we were, we were very mainstream uh, uh, Family in that in that regard, and and he was against the war. He didn't he didn't believe what they were doing on there. But his 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 ideology told him, well, if they called me, I'd go. But well, I'm different from you. I'm I don't believe in this. And I don't. But what I what coincided was that my pottery teacher knew of a of a, of a student that had been was going to start a former student that was starting a pottery in, in Van, and up in Canada. He said maybe you could go be a, an assistant with him. Because what happened is I, I turned in my draft card and then then the the powers came down on me and uh, they Hershey who was a director of the draft at the time issued a directive that anybody who did anything like that we we protested at the draft boards all the time and did stunts. But you know what's interesting mm -hmm. is that you actually could have gone to Mexico. Right? I probably could have. But uh, but actually, you go north. Yeah, but pottery was up there. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I, the question was, because right then they started sending the very first draft resistors to Leavenworth for eight years. And I go, wait a minute, I didn't do anything right, wrong. I did something right. So, so I went to Canada and, and became this guy's assistant. And then when I was there, I got a notice for draft and, and never came back. Well, I came back eventually. But I was drafted illegally. Uh, because of Hershey issued its directive that anybody who did it would have their classification changed and, and be classified 1A and sent to Vietnam. But let me let me ask you this. So when this was happening, and you go you, you go to Canada, you meet up with, with Tommy Chong, whose parents ran this burlesque place up in, in Canada, uh -huh. and you guys were doing topless... Improv. Well, you guys weren't topless, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so at that moment, did you imagine, well... This is going to be my life. I'm going to become a comic, or were you entirely confused about what the future held? I, you know, at that age, you're just ha happy to have a job. I, I it, it paid more, five dollars more a week to hang out with topless girls, do improv comedy, smoke hash, than delivering carpets, <laughs> which was what I was doing before that. So, oh, hey, this is, I, oh, this is a good gig. That you create at that point when you create Cheech and Chong. Mm -hmm. You do you feel like you had to go back and kind of find your inner cholo? You know, go back to L.A. because you were the, you yeah. were the Latino, yeah, yeah. right? In the but not in Canada. Camp. Not in Canada. You didn't know nothing about Latinos, Chicanos, cholos, nada. They thought I was Indian. Because <laughs> always the question when I was in Canada was, "What are you?" You know, they, they, they couldn't figure it out. They knew I wasn't East Indian. They knew I wasn't, could have been American Indian. or And they always, every, everybody, well, what are you? Were you thinking at that time, did you call yourself at that time a 
Mexican American, a Chicano, a Latino. No, I was a Chicano then. That time. I've always been a Chicano. My parents always called themselves Chicanos when they were when I was being raised in LA. It was the only it was the only term I really identified with because Mexican you always get called Mexican. Well, I've never even been to Mexico. I don't speak Spanish that well. And 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 when I heard Chicano, that described me. So I was Chicano from then. So for people who might not know mm-hmm. what Chicano, the term yeah. Chicano is. What is the definition of Chicano? Well, like Chicanos, uh, everybody has a different definition <laughs> because Chicanos is a tribe of all chiefs, no Indians. And and <clears throat> I've heard a zillion different descriptions of what Chicano is. For me, <clears throat> Chicano, it, it was <clears throat> first a, a derisive term by Mexicans, two other Mexicans living in the, in, the, in the United States. The concept being that the Mexicanos living in the United States were no longer truly Mexicanos. They were something smaller. They had turned they, their back on Mexico. They were, Chicos, they were Chicanos, little satellite Mexicans. Oh. And so they were Chicanos. You know, they were not Mexicanos, they were Chicanos, little, you know, Mexi- Mexican-ish. Mexican-ish. You know? <laughs> you know? Mexican light. Yeah, Mexican light. But, in a, in but a, they in a, were living here, and they were, they were calling pochos is, is a more der- der- derogatory term as far as I'm concerned, but, but Chicanos, but that's really described me. And so that was, that was the term, and depending upon where you lived in relation to the border, was more or less an insult. Farther away from the border didn't matter. So you come back from Canada. You have established yourself at that point as Cheech and Chong. Uh You make that incredible album, Big Bamboo, Uh that was being played in the back of my house so my mom and dad could hear about it. (laughs) You're like others. When, though, do you realize, I mean, you had a great run, Cheech Mm -hmm. and Chong. Uh Huge, you like broke Uh records, selling Uh albums. Uh At what point then do you realize, okay, I want to break away from the Cheech that everybody knows, mm. the stoner guy. I mean, was there a conscious decision yeah. in your mind in order to break into Hollywood? There, no, no, not really. The, the decision was the relationship between Tommy Chong and myself. Uh, that wasn't working. That had become contentious. And it wasn't that I wanted to break away from being Cheech the Chicano stoner. I was perfectly happy with really? doing that. What I wanted to do was to shift our focus just from sex and drugs and rock and roll to other stuff, but using Cheech and Chong. But it was a power struggle within within the, the group. That's so interesting, because yeah. I would have thought that you made this decision that you wanted to kind of break into acting and directing. You no. would have been happy to stay yeah. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, it, it was a struggle between Tommy and I, not between uh, intention. He, he characterized it as that, because, you know, right. uh, for his... his uh, but you have always been... Because at one point, you know, and we'll talk a little bit later about your work with as being an art collector, and it mm-hmm. seems like you said that sometimes you have to fight against being Cheech, being seen as oh, yeah, Cheech yeah, the yeah. stoner. Yeah, I, 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 I don't struggle against that hard. I just present myself, you know. I did, and did the doors open in Hollywood? I mean, I have to be honest with you. Uh-huh. When I first saw you, uh-huh. I guess, you know, mainstream television, Nash, uh, was the name of the show, yeah, right? Yeah, Nash Bridges. Yeah. Nash Bridges. Um, it was a little bit hard for me. I was like, I can't see Cheech as a police <laughs> officer. I just, I, <laughs> that was truer to who I was than anything else. Uh, my dad was a cop all my life. I grew up knowing I lived a cop's life. I was a cop's kid. And so I, being uh, Joe Dominguez and uh, Nash Bridges was so second nature to me. I didn't, I mean, that was the easiest role I ever had. Really. And in Hollywood, where it's hard, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you know that, mm-hmm. 
How difficult was it to be taken seriously then, to take the Cheech stoner hat off? Oh, that was, that, that was very hard because it was like uh, turning around a super tanker. You know, it doesn't stop and go 180 How did you, you know, do it? How did you uh, persistence. I mean, did people like not even take your calls sometimes? Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just how would you... Hollywood is all perception. It really is, is all perception. And it's how to change the perception of you from being that guy. Uh, you do it one step at a time, you know. Everybody always thinks, well, you work all the time. You have, I'm Chicano, I have to have three jobs. <laughs> you know? We never say no to work. Exactly. No, okay, I'll be there. And, and, and it was just one job after another, another. And I just, I didn't recognize that I had changed. Uh, I just did it. You know, I just I, I said this will eventually evolve into something. So I just kept working, and, and I had to work. And so uh, uh, the thing that, that really broke it down was working for Disney in animation. I was offered a job uh, uh, being in Oliver and Company. Mm. Still a Chicano character, but in a Disney movie, it was very significant that Disney would hire Chichu Chich and Chong. At what point did you decide, okay, I've done acting, mm -hmm. I do it well, and that you wanted to direct, and you directed that amazing movie, Born in East oh, L.A., you. which, you know, now when you think about that movie, Born in East L.A., it was funny when it came out, it is considered you know, one of the pillars of yeah. Chicano-Latino film no, in the United States of America. You know, it, it, it was something I was, I was raised to do because Cheech and Chong, we wrote and directed all those movies together. So I, I didn't get credit officially for directing, but Tommy and I directed those together. So it, it wasn't something I, I'd never did before. You know, I, I, that's how you did, did it, you know. Yeah. Uh, why hire a contractor? I'm a contractor. Here, <laughs> window goes here. It's this big. You know, it's just like that. And so when it, when it came time to do Born East L.A., I, I, I had this idea and I wrote it. And, and I tried to get other people to direct it. I tried. I, I, Robert Altman was going to direct the movie, and the studio wouldn't okay him because he was too radical at that time, and they did so. You were seen as less radical than Robert Altman? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, so I said, well, you directed. Oh, God. Okay, all right, I did. It's a lot of work, and, and it was a lot of work, but I, I, after a while, hmm, maybe I should do, be doing this. It's, uh, you know, 1987, um, the film, for those who haven't seen it, mm -hmm. and I'm sure people are going to run mm -hmm. out and go get it now, um, the film is about, uh, about someone like you who was born in East L.A., mm -hmm but ends up getting deported yeah. and has no way to prove that they're an American citizen. He gets caught in, a, in an immigration. It's based on a true story. I was, well, I was going to uh, say, I mean, it's so prescient. Yeah. I mean, it's happening All today. the time now. I mean, it happens. I've, I've read about it many times after. It was, this particular story, I was sitting there reading the paper in my, in my kitchen. I was looking for something to do, some, some inspiration. And I was reading the story about this kid who was, he was 13 or 14, and he was, and he, and he was a, semi, a little bit retarded, so he couldn't, you know, find his way that well. And he was born in East L.A., but he was Mexican, and they got, it was in a place where they raided, and he got sent back to uh, Mexico. And I, and I was, at the same time I was reading this, uh, the, the, the radio was on, and, and Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen's tune was playing. And so I started seeing him, Born in East L.A., and I just, that's it, that's, that, that's the story. Story. And, and I, so I, I, I sat down and wrote it right, right then, you know, and, and then... And what does it to be do to you, Cheech, when you, see, when you see the fact that what you were dealing with in 1987, you know, um, a kind of target against mm -hmm. Chicanos, Mexicanos, yeah. uh, and you're now, you know, 2009, yeah. um, and we're seeing the same 
thing happening? What does it do to you? I, I don't... It doesn't defeat me and it doesn't uh, deter me because I see this bigger picture forming. Uh, right now, we're in the middle of the biggest wave of immigration ever in the history of the country, chiefly from Mexico. Three quarters of the Latino pie in this country is from Mexico. Uh, so we're the big, the, the hate, 100 pound ape in the room. But what is, is amazing is what differentiates this particular way from others uh, is that it's in every state, every single state that I go to. I know, and as I was writing my notes, I was like, hmm. So we have Chicanos, but that means that now we're actually going to have Chicanos from Tennessee. Exactly. Chicanos from New York City. Exactly. Chicanos from Chicago. Yeah. It's going to, it is going to totally transform the United States culturally, uh, uh, financially, um, ideologically, and, and there's no way to stop it. There, there is no way to stop it. There, there, are, there are 11 just illegal immigrants. Uh, probably the same number of legal immigrants spread out in every single state. There's no way to stop that. It's like a lava flow. There's a way to direct it, but there's no way to stop it. So do you feel like, you know, when you were battling to kind of be taken seriously as a Chicano, as a Latino, do you feel mm -hmm. like now you can stand back and say, wow, you were one of those people who were pigeonholed? Yeah, yeah. And in a lot of ways, you've been able to overcome all of that. And I, you're just seen now yeah. as a mainstream. I've actor. always thought I was mainstream. I always thought I was mainstream. I think I'm mainstream now. I think that that, that Latinos are mainstream, and they're just—it's not the, the 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 fact that they are. It's the recognition of the fact they are. All goes against perception against once again. You also have again broken a perception of Cheech Marin. Yeah. yeah. Because you have become a very serious art collector. Yeah. And amazing. And that was one of the first things that I heard that you were doing. I was like, wow, I really need to look again at Chich Marin. Uh -huh. You collect, you have a very specific collection of Chicano, Chicano art, art. Yeah. from a very specific period of time. Um, what happened there? What was it that you suddenly you, said, wow, I need to start buying this artwork? You no, know, I was always a, 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 an appreciator of art from a very young age. You know, I, I, I was very fortunate in my little group of cousins. I had three other cousins who were... You only had three? Uh, well, the, no, the small, the inner core. <laughs> the inner core of 50 cousins. My son is the, like, I got 150. <laughs> I, had, I had a big family too, but the, the cousins that I hung out with, uh, uh, Louis, Lalia, and Regine, uh, we were we were uh, Chicano anomalies. We came from working class families, but they were very intellectual, and they are very uh, scholastic. Uh, we all got scholarships to every school we ever went to, and we always used to challenge each other. You know, it was like we were really these, these academic strivers, and we were we were on each other. And it was always, and, and they all went to succeed. Now, my cousin Louis, who was who was the leader of the group, he was just this genius who who uh, got a scholarship to every school he ever went to, and and we were always. Were pitted against each other, and 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 from an early age, my little niche was art. I thought, well, if because I, I wanted to be an artist, but I couldn't draw and I couldn't paint. I could make a stick figure, maybe, but I couldn't do that. And I didn't know it was something you could learn to do. It just you had it or not. It's like you were you were fast or you were slow. So your 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 role in the competition was I'm going to start buying art. No, I'm going to learn about art. So oh. that's what I did from a very early age, like around 12. I would go to the library every week and take up all the art books. And go, oh, that's Cezanne. Okay, that's Miro. Okay, that's Rembrandt. What I love about this is that hopefully people will watch this and 
you know, because you do so often break these stereotypes. Yeah. And I, I, I do hope that people just think, you know, when they, we are so much more than the stereotype that we are created, oh, yeah. whatever it is. What does Chicano art represent for you? I mean, you talk about it yeah. as it being an American school of art, a, a style, a very specific style. What is that style? It, it, the, it's a style that's not defined by a, a, a painting, stylistic painting concerns. What makes it a school of Chicano art is the experience of being Chicano, told from a myriad of different viewpoints, whether it's social, political, religious, gender-based, philosophical, abstract, and you put all these points of view together and you get the 360 of the feeling of being Chicano in this country, that sabor. You know, it's like that, that taste of, it's not specific, okay, follow this and follow this and that's what it is. It's just the feeling of, oh, this is the feeling of being in the neighborhood and what it means and how we, we look at things and how, how, what our perception, our perspective is of, because Chicano art is, is traditional Mexican art folkloric background melded with or not even melded clashed with american pop and what it does is it stands in for the universal immigrant experience that you've actually curated a show yeah, yeah. you wrote a book mm -hmm. about chicano art which is an amazing book um when you first saw your artwork yeah. hanging up in the san antonio museum mm -hmm. of art and you had hundreds of people coming in yeah. to see Chicano art hanging on museum walls. What it was, was it was a moment. Yeah. Are you getting uh, teary-eyed about that? Wow, because uh, what, know, what does it mean? Uh, it was a it was a long struggle, you know, because it was it was that thing where you're fighting against the perception. And I kept insisting that there was a Chicano school of art, and everybody poo-pooed me. Oh, we don't use a school of art anymore. It's very old school, that old school. It's very this, for that. And then I said, well, you know what? I know that it's there. I know that these people are making this art for a purpose, and I know that it says something. And I said, one day I'm going to put all these paintings up in a room, and you're going to see it. You've had to fight constantly <clears throat> against this stuff. You ended up getting a lot of major funders. Yeah, Target Stores and Hewlett Packard provided the seed money for for the production of the show. It was a, it was a huge major show going on for seven years, coast to coast, and we played all major mainstream museums with the Smithsonian for six months, uh, the Weissman in, in Minneapolis, the uh, De Young in San Francisco. We just finished the show in LACMA, uh, L.A. County, and, and it was some places it was a struggle, and some places they welcomed us with open arms. And also, it was always the, the opposite of what you thought it would be. You particularly want people in this country to see that yeah, yeah, art. Yeah. My, my, my theory was that you couldn't love or hate Chicano art unless you saw it. And the whole thing was to overcome uh, exclusion. We were being excluded from having shelf space, basically. You know, I've come from show business. You only, if they see you, you exist. If you don't see you, you don't exist. What about right now? How do you, it's, Chicano, Latino artists, um, in a good space moving forward? Yeah, they're being recognized. Now and now the, the, the discussion is not, is there a school of Chicano art or not? Is where does it belong in the firmament? Is, is where, where does it place? How, do, how does it affect other art forms? How, how does it affect other artists? So we've moved entirely and the, you know, the doors have opened. Now we, we're here 
and 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 we're we're affecting the rest of the art world. And but it's a constant struggle. I mean, it's, it's doesn't. And, and the doors and, have not necessarily all flung open. Yeah, but but at least we're we're there. Let's talk about. Um, mm. You did reunite with uh, Tommy yeah. Chong. Yeah. You know, time does heal. Yeah. <laughs> time wounds all heals. <laughs> yeah, right. Time heals all wounds. Yeah. Um, what's it like to be out there? You are actually playing. Uh, sold-out shows. Yeah. How long do you think this is going to go on? I mean, would you be prepared I, to do it for a year? I, the, can, it, I think it can go on a lot further than that. I mean, I, I think we can do it until we don't want to do it anymore. I mean, that's... What, now, you're 62? 62. And Tommy's 70. 70, you know. And you're so still, maybe a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a year. <laughs> yeah. What's it like to be doing live stuff that's, out there? It's really great. I mean, it's what we do best. Of all the things that Chichen Chong did, uh, records, movies, uh, live is, is what we do best. Is what we're best at. And the writing is still coming? It's yeah, still it's just... Uh, it, it, we were involved in, the, in, this, in this evolutionary comedy that evolved every night. And it's and it evolves so so slowly, but so presently that we're not aware of the evolution until you get further on up the line, you know. Because people have seen our show when we started the the tour, uh, they go, "Oh, your show's changed a lot in the thing." And, oh, we're not aware of it because it changes every night. Wow, amazing! You know, and, and I'm just um, I'm flabbergasted. And when you see those young people, and, and you actually have a very funny statement, you say from womb to tomb. To womb to tomb. So you you are guaranteed to have fans from yeah. from the youngest age to now. Cheech Marin, thank you yeah. so much for being with us. My pleasure. Hope you can continue for many more years. I will. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Marin. Gracias. Continue the conversation at wgbh.org/slash one-on-one.